gentlemen, welcome back to this week's episode of The Liberty. I, of course, am your humble host, uh, Caleb Franz, and thank you. Thank you very much for uh, turning, tuning back into the voice of liberty for a new generation. Uh, this is your community that you are building, and I can't ask for a better audience. Um, I hope that I will continue to grow along with you, and I hope that you will do the same with me. This week, we're going to talk about uh, something I consider to be probably the most important um, issue, discussion, that, that we could possibly have leading up to the election, and more importantly, after the election. Because real change isn't going to happen within the next three weeks. <laughs> it's, it's, it doesn't work that fast, unfortunately. However, uh, if, if we really learn from our mistakes, this time around, actually learn from them, because I thought we had learned from them in 2008 and 2012. We didn't. It got worse. We traded one evil for a worse evil. But if we actually look at where we went wrong and actually begin to fix our mistakes, that's how we survive as a country, regardless of, how, of whoever is president. Now, it, it will be important. Uh, this, this episode is something that we please, please share out to as many people as you possibly can. Even if you've never shared any, any of our episodes before, Facebook it, tweet it, whatever. Go out, share it with your friends, because this is a discussion that is not had enough in this country. This is a discussion where I think, honestly, uh, we have forgotten. This is something that, that our founders knew to be self-evident. But even the most conservative of individuals have, quite honestly, completely forgotten why we are in this mess that we are in. Why are we always forced to pick between um, the lesser of two evils? South Park, uh, South Park says a, uh, a giant douche or a turd sandwich. Why are we always forced to pick between that? If you recall, a couple weeks ago, I did an episode on um, third parties. And in it, I was explaining how um, I can't vote for Gary Johnson, me personally. If you can, that's great. Please, go ahead. I encourage you to. Because I believe that for the most part, people who are voting for Gary Johnson, they're voting for him at least with a clear conscience. Now, some, I understand, are just voting because all oh, the, the other two are too bad. So I have to stop the, the, the two-party system. Now, I, I don't think that Gary Johnson is much better. Um, but if you're voting for him, please go ahead. I... I I don't make you my enemy or anything like that. 
But if you recall in it, um, I began talking a little bit about how our problem in America is not that we have necessarily a two-party system. The problem, the true problem, is the emphasis that we put on the executive branch. Think about that. Every four years, we hold, it's almost like a beauty pageant. It's a, it's a big horse race. It's a big spectacle of the political process. This is the biggest spectacle you could possibly look forward to if you're a politico, is, is, the, is the presidential election every four years. You see, that's part of the problem. If not the biggest part of the problem. We have Donald Trump as the Republican nominee, in part because uh, we continue to just accept that the Republican nominee was the lesser evil and we would vote for it. And the GOP knew that. And the Democrats the same way. The problem is, is that both the lesser evil is still evil. And when you continue to vote for the lesser evil, eventually you're not going to be able to tell which one is lesser. I think that 2016 illustrates that better than ever. Because I, quite honestly, cannot tell you which one is, is the lesser evil. Not one bit. However, the ones who, who are really to blame for this, it's, you, can, you can go off and, and tout about and pout about the, uh, about the party leadership, about the establishment, about the mainstream media. You can go off pouting about those guys. But the ones who are really to blame for this is you. <laughs> now, I know that's uncomfortable to think about, but honestly, and, and I have part of this too. Because the, the presidential election is something that I would always look forward to. At least we're going to, you know, clean house and get somebody in that's, you know, we have the possibility to get somebody in that's good. And whenever somebody uh, becomes the nominee of a party that is actually liberty-oriented, would actually cut the size of the executive, I'd say that is something worthwhile to look into. But right now, in this election, in 2016, when it's between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton... The election's lost. The election doesn't matter, at least the presidential portion of it. Does not matter. Don't start telling me about the Supreme Court. That if we lose the election to Hillary Clinton, the Supreme Court is lost. That is the biggest load of crap. The Supreme Court, a Republican president, does not guarantee... That A, especially with Donald Trump, that A, uh, he's going to stick to his word and actually nominate constitutional conservative Supreme Court justices. That just doesn't make any sense. Why would Donald Trump nominate somebody to be put into the Supreme Court 
who is going to shut down virtually every policy proposal uh, that he has. Because just about everything that he has proposed is nearly unconstitutional. And B, there's no guarantee that whoever he nominates is going to be a constitutionalist. There's no guarantee a Republican Supreme Court justice means that the Constitution is preserved, that the Second Amendment is saved. There's no guarantee of that. Let me remind you that Roe v. Wade, six of the nine Supreme Court justices were Republican. And then let's also not forget the most recent case of why the Supreme Court really is not a valid argument, John Roberts, the man who saved Obamacare. Now, I don't think that anyone on the right, certainly, certainly not Donald Trump supporters, considers John Roberts to be a constitutional example, a stellar constitutional example. I don't think anyone thinks that. Well, maybe some establishment Republicans, but certainly not the majority of the voting base that are, is voting for Donald Trump. If you're voting for Donald Trump, you're not voting. I, I hear this all the time. A vote for Donald Trump is a vote for, uh, is actually, I'm not voting for Donald Trump. I'm voting for the Supreme Court. Well, you're going to be fooled. You're going to be played. Because all these people know is bigger government. Besides, how could Donald Trump possibly be serious about his Supreme Court proposal when the very people who is going who's going to vote yes for Donald Trump's picks, he has waged war on in Congress. The Supreme Court is nothing without the Congress to vote yes on it. And Donald Trump has waged war on those very people. He said that his, what was it? He said his shackles or his chains have been uh, set loose or something like that against the, against the uh, Republican establishment. There is zero guarantee that you are going to get the Supreme Court that you want. This election is lost, ladies and gentlemen. It is 100% gone, but that's okay. That is completely okay. <laughs> Let go. 2016 is gone. It's already over. It doesn't matter who wins, it's already over. And that's okay. Why is that? It's okay because I believe that a big portion of the country is not going to be looking at Washington, D.C. anymore for solutions. If we expect to survive as a country, we have to stop the coronation that we make the, the presidential election. We have to stop the beauty pageant, that is, um, election 2016. 2012, 2008. The presidency doesn't matter. Constitutionally speaking, 
it's it should only be um, a figurehead and and somebody who can uh, work in foreign affairs and the, and the leader of the military, the commander in chief. Outside of that, the president's the presidency doesn't really have a whole lot of power, except for the power it has been taking, because we have been putting so much focus on the executive branch year after year after year after year. We've been putting so much focus, like if this person does not get into the White House, then it's the end of the world. You hear that from both sides, Donald Trump's side and Hillary Clinton's side. If that person gets into the White House, then it's the end of America. We've heard this year after year after year. I remember I was one of them saying the same thing when Mitt Romney uh, took on Barack Obama in 2012 and said we have to stop this guy because this guy's a Marxist and we don't survive four more years of Barack Obama. Now I was wrong to an extent. I was wrong because him himself uh, cannot destroy the country because we have this thing called a system of federalism and that's where we need to put the emphasis on. Now I was kinda right because Again, we have put so much emphasis on that presidential election that is, it's even more dire this year. And in part, the re-election of Barack Obama led to the rise of Donald Trump. But I certainly wasn't thinking in that mindset. I was thinking that Barack Obama was single-handedly going to um, beckon the end of America in some form, whether it's through war or economic collapse. Now we can certainly discuss the, the potential of, a, of an economic crisis in a later episode, but America survives. America survives. We made it to 2016. It's okay. We're going to make it to 2020. It'll be okay. The other person Whoever, whoever you're voting for, the other person is not going to bring about the end of America because of the absolutely brilliant system that our founding fathers put in place. You see, Barack Obama uh, didn't get most of the things that he wanted because of Congress. And I consider that to be a very good thing. Gridlock is not at all a bad thing, especially uh, when you have somebody radical in Congress or in, uh, in, in the White House. When you have somebody radical like Barack Obama or Donald Trump, the way we save America is by taking away the power from the executive. And how do we do that? We have to A, let them know that they're not getting our vote just because they are the other person's opponent. Donald Trump can do at this moment can possibly earn my vote. If he becomes president and he's a seller president and he uh, keeps his word that, I don't know, that he will save the 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 Second Amendment, probably the only part of the Constitution that he actually knows about. 
if he keeps his word on the really good stuff and he doesn't do any of the bad stuff that he's proposed, then sure, I'll, I'll, I'll vote for him in, uh, in 2020. I don't see that happening. But I would say that about anyone. If he, if he does all this stuff, if he turns out to be the best president of all time, then sure, yeah. But I don't see that happening. Because all he knows is how to be an executive. If nothing else, the executive branch under Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, but specifically Donald Trump, will explode. Just like it did under Barack Obama. Rand Paul is known for saying that uh, the greatest uh, disaster that Barack Obama has brought about in his entire tenure as president. It's not, uh, it's, it's not the NSA, it's not Obamacare. It's the destruction of the separation of powers. And that destruction was possible because we let it happen. Now, it wasn't totally destroyed. The last four years, and especially the last two years, uh, has Cong Congress has uh, put up a little bit of a fight, despite what we may feel <laughs> about Congress. And I'm not defending them, because they certainly have uh, their own skeletons in their closet. And you can certainly make a case against them. I can all day. But how we save America, how we restore our liberty so that we place somebody up uh, and force the political parties to place up a constitutional champion to say, look, we're not going to even care about the presidential election unless you put up somebody who's going to restrain their own power, who's going to begin cutting entire agencies and departments, who's going to say, you know what, this isn't the executive branch's job, who's not going to rule by executive order. That's one way. The other way, and this is how you really fight back, is you really, really focus on the rest of the ballot. I believe, I, I don't think I, I told you who I was voting for in uh, episode three when we were talking about third parties. I'm not voting for Gary Johnson. I'm probably going to write in somebody. I'm probably going to write in Rand Paul. Or maybe I just write in Ron Paul. Go big or go home, I guess. But I don't know. I'll, I'll probably make that decision whenever it comes. But the point is, is that it doesn't matter. Because... The point is, is that we have to begin putting focus back on the congressional level in the Senate, keeping people like Rand Paul and Mike Lee in the Senate, keeping people like Thomas Massey in the House, and even more importantly than that, focusing on your state and local level. Nullification is a thing, believe it or not. The states have powers. Now, while Congress has been timid, needless to say, about fighting back against the executive, they look like Captain America compared to uh, some of the things that the states have done. They're spineless. They're too afraid to lose their federal money. We have to begin 
putting uh, putting uh, uh, the heat on the state level and the local level, saying we don't care about your federal cash because that's our money. First of all, second of all, you're being bought. We want somebody who's going to stand up to the executive branch and say, we don't want your stimulus. We can do this ourselves through free market economics and through helping our fellow man through personal liberty. And that is the last way you can fight, by taking back control of your own life. If there's anything that has been so... Uh, disastrous in the in the past 30 40 some decades this goes back almost 100 years and the expansion of the executive is the reduction of the individual not because the executive has been taking that but because the individual has been giving that up we have to say I don't care um, if you lose the election I am going to begin to live like a free man, and I am going to begin fighting for my own personal liberties. I'm going to begin practicing my God-given rights. That's how you fight back. Voting is important, but unless you actually live free, and unless you actually live the way the Founding Fathers intended intended for us to live, then it's all for nothing. Because ultimately, regardless if it's the executive branch, the Congress, the state level, the local level, it's ultimately all government. And they can only do so much if you put, your, put their feet to the fire. But the best thing you can do in fighting back is begin to take control of your own life. Be an entrepreneur. Be a journalist. I mean a real, real journalist. Freedom of the press is not... Um, it's not exclusive to the media. It doesn't create this uh, elite class of individuals of, of the press to go up and, and get in bed with Washington, D.C. That's, that's what it is today, it seems like, but that's not what it truly is. Freedom of the press is to protect every single citizen because we all are the press. We all can make our voices heard, especially today, especially today. Freedom of the press is about the whistleblower. It's not, a, it's not about Fox News or MSNBC or CNN. It's about the whistleblower. It's about the guerrilla journalist. Be an entrepreneur. Be a journalist like that, the way, the way that the First Amendment intended for you to be, to hold your government's feet to the fire. Be an activist. Live like free men and women. When you begin to do that, not only will the executive branch begin shaking in their boots, so will every level of government. They'll start listening to you at that point. They will start putting up people who who really care about the Constitution who really care about individual liberties, about individual sovereignty. We have to step away from presidential politics. Now, am I saying we're not going to talk about uh, the presidential election? No. No. 
No, that's not at all what I'm saying. Because that is important. I believe uh, to, to be able to fight back, you have to know what you're fighting against. So, of course, we have to talk about it. But let's stop making November 8th or November 8th this year or whatever day it will be in 2020 and 2018, uh, 2022, and so on and so forth. We have to stop making that the end-all, be-all of presidential elections or midterm elections. Yeah, the presidency is important. It really is. But only if you get somebody in there who's going to be an executive the way that the Constitution intended for the executive to govern. Somebody like Rand Paul this year would have been a prime example of that. <laughs> the Clinton camp knew that. But that's neither here nor there. It's in the past. Somebody like Justin Amash would also be a prime example of that in 2020. If he decides to run, which I think if you listen to last week's episode, episode four, when we covered the presidential debate, the second one, uh, we, we, we have an idea that it might be a, a pretty good possibility. And that's fantastic. I want people like that to run for president. But so long as people like Donald Trump become the leaders of the Republican Party and Hillary Clinton is, is the uh, head of the Democratic Party running for president, the presidency's already lost. Accept it. It's gone. <laughs> it's been gone for years, for decades. The last time we had a really mostly okay president was Ronald Reagan, I would say. But even then, he had his flaws. And before that, Calvin Coolidge? I mean, really, can you really name a president that hasn't tried to drastically expand the size of the, of the federal government and of the executive branch? Even Ronald Reagan did that to some degree. Let's not kid ourselves here. I mean, Ronald Reagan was great on some things, but he, he, was, he was not at all the limited government guy that he sometimes uh, perceived himself. Now, I still like him. I'm not necessarily a libertarian that just hates every single president that you could possibly think of. I still have great respect for him, but you have to be able to look at things honestly. Until we get somebody who's actually going to stand up for the things that the Founding Fathers fought for and died for, believed in, then the presidency is lost. That's something you have to accept. But what you don't have to do is contribute to the destruction of America. To quote Ted Cruz, even though he doesn't believe it anymore, I still believe it's solid advice, vote for your conscience. Vote based on that. That's how you survive as a country. Is to keep who you are. That's how you truly live free, is to not give in to, to this evil or that evil just because the other one's worse. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Many of you recognize that. That's, that's a quote from the Bible. And... For me, I always 
looked at that and thought, well, it's just talking about uh, giving into your earthly ways and and sacrificing it for uh, sacrificing your heavenly ways for your earthly ways. Okay, and that's to some degree accurate, but it has a very practical lesson in it, and it can apply to every aspect of your life, including in politics. In fact, probably more than any other profession, this applies to politics. Let's replace a few words. What does it profit a man to gain his senate seat but lose his soul? What does it profit a man to win an election but lose his soul? What does it profit a man to keep his house seat, to, keep, to, to win the Supreme Court but lose his soul? What does it profit a man to defeat a Democrat or to defeat a Republican but lose his soul? Now, if you actually believe in who you're voting for, then by all means, go ahead. But if you're just voting for that person just because you want to stop the other person or just because you want to keep your Senate seat or your House seat or your State House seat or whatever you're running for, I advise you to do some soul searching. Because only when we can keep our soul, only then can we begin to heal as a nation. Only then can we begin to honestly remember what it is we're fighting for. I'm fighting for individual sovereignty, natural rights, personal liberty, economic freedom, the things that actually made America great. I don't think any of those are any of the things that Donald Trump has outlined that has made America great, even on the economic freedom part. I think that's a load of crap whenever he says that. Keep who you are above all, because that's the one thing that if they buy that out, then they have won. That's the only time they can honestly claim that they've won. We'll keep fighting. If Hillary Clinton wins, if Hillary Clinton wins, okay, gridlock for four years, keep the House seat, uh, keep the House, keep the Senate, it'll be easy, no problem. Donald Trump wins, be a little bit harder for true liberty uh, oriented individuals to make a breakthrough because that's a cultural change. Understand that I'm not, I'm not advocating for you to go out and support Hillary Clinton just to stop Donald Trump. That's quite the opposite of what I'm advocating for. But understand the dangers that come with Trump winning. Because with Clinton, it's just government change. Really, not much of change at all. <laughs> because it's just a continuation. But for Trump, you're solidifying a culture that is toxic. Hillary Clinton, actually, for the first time, the Democrats do not have a grasp on the, on, the, uh, on the culture wars. This is the first time that I have seen that this has happened in years. Hillary Clinton does not have a grasp on culture. Donald Trump does. Now, maybe not young people culture. I don't think most young people are going to be voting for Donald Trump. But he does have a grasp on our culture as a society in America. 
and that is a dangerous, dangerous precedent. It's easier to fight against if he loses. We're in for a real battle if he does win. Now, I don't think he will, but I can't say that he won't, because this election has been the craziest election I've ever seen. Culture is the gateway to individualism or to its destruction. Culture can be a great thing to prop up the individual, to, to help keep it alive, but it can also lead to its destruction. We have to stop emphasizing the presidency. He is not our boss. He is not our king. We have to stop making him a cultural phenomenon. We have to stop making him the end-all, be-all. If this person does not win, then it's the end of the world. That's how Republican presidents and Democratic presidents have grossly expanded the power of the executive year after year after year after year. And every time us, us uh, liberty-minded oriented uh, individuals say, this person's going to get it because at least he's better than the Democrat. No, he isn't. No, he is not. He's just as bad. And we have to accept that. We have to accept that, and we have to accept that the presidency doesn't matter. It matters because we make it matter. When we stop making it matter, their power goes down drastically. That is the kind of uh, philosophy, that's the kind of mindset that we have to focus on. Not only in the next three weeks. This is why I want you to share this episode so much. In the next three weeks. Also, after the next three weeks. More importantly, after the next three weeks. In the next three weeks, because I want you to truly think about it. Stop thinking about it. Don't vote just because, well, this person's a Republican. This person's a Democrat. Actually vote for what you believe in. Erase the R and the D and the L and the I and whatever <laughs> letter of the alphabet that that person has beside their name. Erase that, pretend it's not there, and focus on your conscience. Focus on what you think is best for your community, excuse me, for your community, for your state, for your country, and for your conscience. I want you to share this episode after the election so that we can begin thinking like men and women yearning to be free. So that we can begin focusing on the ideas that actually made us great. So that we can begin taking back the tools that our founders set in place for us. We have a system of federalism, which is in and of itself a system of checks and balances. Let's begin restoring it. Let's begin having conversations on nullification, on states' powers. Not states' rights. States' powers. States don't have rights. But they do have certain authorities outlined in the Constitution. Utilize that. Let's begin thinking about individual sovereignty. That's more important than national sovereignty. Uh, it's more important than, than anything 
uh, that, that Trump has been talking about, about nationalism. Let's begin rethinking what the presidency is supposed to be. Let's begin rethinking about who we are as a society. We're not a society that just gives away our liberties to a power-hungry executive. That's what we ran away from in Great Britain. That's what we fought against in World War II. Let's not become that here in America. So yes, please, share this episode within the next three weeks. But more importantly, share this episode and start having conversations. Start getting people in the mindset that the president does not rule your life. That the presidency is only as important as you make it. When you begin to think that this guy doesn't have as much power as, as what I'm giving him. That's, begin, that's, that's when you begin to, to really refocus. That's when you really begin to think the way that Washington, Jefferson, and Madison thought. It's not about parties. It's not about the president. It's not about Congress, though Congress a little bit more than the president. It's not even about the state or the local level. It's about you. You are the most important aspect of any society. The individual. That is the most important aspect of life. Not government. You. Let's begin having that conversation. Let's begin really rethinking what it means to be president, the ideas of federalism. Let's have that conversation. Now, before we go, we have a few announcements. And again, please share this episode with as many people as possible. I want to really begin having that conversation with, with, uh, with individuals, with uh, organizations. This is, this is the kind of movement that we have to begin uh, right now. And we are going to. And that is going to, uh, that's, that's part of some of the announcements that we have. First up, uh, next week, we, we, have, we have three announcements today. Next week, we're going to step back and kick back a little bit. We're going to have a little bit of fun. It's going to be a Halloween special because, in case you haven't uh, remembered, Halloween is actually coming up if you, <laughs> if you have stepped back away from the political process. It's going to tie in a little bit to, to politics, so it's not going to be completely out of line and just weird and crazy. Just trust me on this. <laughs> It'll work, I promise. Uh, and number two, this is incredibly exciting. I'm so excited about this. When I started uh, thinking about the orientation of Liberty, where I wanted it to go, the direction that I wanted to set forth for this show, I wanted to have conversations, not just with you in this format that I have been having in, and uh, most of the formats that we've had in, in the episodes so far, except for episode four, which is a little bit more of a conversation just in a different way. Um, I didn't want to just have conversations in the sense of me talking to you. I also wanted to have conversations with some of the biggest and brightest names in the movement. Have conversations that really uh, made people think. 
really got people to maybe feel a little bit uncomfortable, but ultimately have conversations that will begin um, really getting us thinking in a liberty-oriented mindset. So what we're going to start beginning next month in November, it's actually going to be uh, the episode right after the election on, I believe, November 10th? Yeah, November 10th. That's a Thursday. We're going to start that next month with monthly exclusive interviews with the biggest and brightest names in the Liberty Movement. And to kick it all off, we are going to be bringing none other than Jeffrey Tucker onto Liberty to discuss how... Uh, actually, a lot of the same things that we that we talked about today, how we began focusing away from government and more into uh, individual sovereignty, start behaving like free men and women. Incredibly excited to have Jeffrey on the program, and we're going to be having uh, names just as big, if not bigger, than Jeffrey every month at least be starting out that way every month. It may, <laughs> it may become a little bit more frequent after, after we really get rolling, but uh, for right now, it's going to be every month with either the biggest names in the movement or the biggest up-and-coming names of the movement in all different fields, whether it's, it's uh, education or entrepreneurship or journalism, everything. We're going to be covering everything. We're going to be having those conversations because that is what we need to start doing. We need to start thinking outside of the box and becoming that community that I have outlined for you in every episode all the way up to all the way up to this episode, episode 5. That's what we need to start doing. It's time to start being that community. And our third announcement, and this is <laughs> perhaps just as exciting, uh, as the second one, Maliberty will be broadcasting for our Christmas special in West Palm Beach, Florida for Turning Point USA's winter in West Palm Beach. I'm incredibly excited to go down and uh, go down to Florida for Christmas, mostly because I don't like cold and I want to escape uh, the Ohio weather of, of winter and enjoy the nice warm Florida winters that they have uh, and we're going to be talking with uh, somebody also incredibly important that I can't wait for you to hear but that'll be an announcement for a later date and we're going to be having our, our Christmas special there in West Palm Beach Florida I'm excited to meet with everyone if you're going to be going to that be sure to try to find me uh, it's it's going to be a really good time that's today's episode. We <laughs> covered we covered a lot. And I thank you very much for joining us in this, for having this kind of conversation. Please tweet out to me your thoughts on the episode. Tweet this episode out. Like I said, share this with as many people as possible. Tweet it out. Share it on Facebook. Whatever you have to do. Send it to a group text or whatever. I don't care. Just... <laughs> Just push it out there, um, because this is the kind of the kind of mindset that we need to start focusing on. This is the kind of thought process that we need to start allowing ourselves to 
actually have. So please uh, uh, tell me your thoughts on this. Tweet at me and follow me at Caleb Franz. Uh, follow Maliberty. Tweet at Maliberty at Maliberty. Pretty simple. And subscribe to us on iTunes. Be sure to uh, hit the subscribe button so we can become even bigger of a movement and and I can come back next week and, and start doing this all over again. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next week.